0: We're in the third week of a series that we're calling Rebuild, and we're going through the book of Nehemiah, and we're talking about the aspect of your life that you know that you know that you know just needs to be rebuilt. I I don't know what that aspect of your life is, but I guarantee you, if you've been with us throughout this series, you already know what that aspect is it it might be your professional life needs a rebuild you get up every day and you go to a job you hate you know you were created for something different you know you have a desire to do something different but you're in that rut of continuing on and continuing on and continuing maybe you're in a relationship that needs to be rebuilt you're in a marriage man and you love your spouse man, and you guys have been through hell together and there's a, a drift that is happening in your marriage you know if you're going to survive the next 10 years you need to rebuild your marriage I don't know what it is today maybe it's your purpose amen. you've been wandering aimlessly wasting your life wasting the one thing that you have that is the most precious thing you'll ever get which is life and you're wasting it with no purpose I don't know what it is today but here's the deal you know what it is today You know what it is that you need in your life to be rebuilt. You've tried everything and anything. man. You've tried horrible relationships to avoid rebuilding. You've looked to alcohol to avoid rebuilding. You've looked to drugs to avoid rebuilding. You've looked to sex to avoid rebuilding. You've just wondered and wondered aimlessly trying to figure out what it is. And the problem is you keep getting the same result and that is simply you're right where you started. You keep doing the same thing over and over and over. You get the same results over and over and over. So what I've done in this series, I've been challenging you to actually, for the first time ever, instead of sitting out there like a lump on a log and listening to what I say, I've been encouraging you to listen to what I say and put it into action. Put it into play. At the end of the day, what do you have to lose? If the tips that I'm giving you from the Bible don't work, guess what? You're right where you started. But if they do work, that one decision, that one choice could be life-changing in your life. And like I said, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah. Real quick recap of who Nehemiah was. Nehemiah was a regular dude. He, he was just an average guy who'd blend in. We had a couple come into the church today, and I mean, we're not a huge church, and it was obvious they were new, and I, I asked them if it was their first time, and they said they were here to meet somebody, and I don't know why this question came out of my mouth, and I said, I don't recognize that name. I said, what do they look like? And they said, well, they look normal. I said, well, then there is no normal people at this church. Here. Like, literally, I kid you not, I walked away from them. I walked up to my wife, and I said, I think those people are at the wrong church, I said, I think they think they're supposed to be here to meet somebody, but I don't think this is the church they're supposed to be. They, and she goes, why? I, see, I said, the people that they're meeting look normal. I said, who in this church looks normal? Then I saw our normal couple come through the parking lot, and I knew they were at the right place instantly. But man, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. is just a normal-looking dude. He's the cupbearer to the king. He had a government job. What that meant is everywhere the king went, Nehemiah went. Every party that the king was at, Nehemiah was at. Every business meeting the king was at, Nehemiah was at. And his job was before the king took a sip out of a freshly poured glass, whether it was wine or water or an ale or whatever it was, Nehemiah took the first sip. And if Nehemiah lived, they knew it wasn't poison and the king then would drink. So he had a a great job until it wasn't great. You know, it it was a good life until you took that one sip. But it was a life that in that day and time, many people would die literally to have. The stability of a government job, to be in the presence of the king at all times, to know that day after day you got to go to work and do something that overall was pretty easy until it kills you. But Nehemiah's walking through town one day, and he runs into some old friends. And just like any of us would do, friends from the homeland, you run into someone, you're like, Hey, man, how are things back home? How are things back in Jerusalem? Now, you've got to remember, he was in Persia at this time. And 140 years ago, Persia had taken Jerusalem in war and had made them their slaves. Over time, the new king had allowed some of the slaves to return to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild that city. And Nehemiah runs into some of the people that are rebuilding the city and probably not even caring. He just asked a simple question, how are things back home? And they looked at him, and I don't think he expected the answer. They said things suck back home. Things are horrible back home. We're trying to rebuild a city. We're trying to get a harvest going. We're trying to create import and export, and we're trying to create places for people to live, but we can't do any of it because the wall around the city lies in ruin. You need to understand during that time, the wall was protection. The wall was was what allowed the city to determine who could come in the city and who could exit the city. The wall was the first line of defense when they were attacked by other cities. When the walls were torn down, there was no way to rebuild the city. Because every time they would start to rebuild the city, people from the outside would come in and they would take over. They would get attacked. People would steal their crops. And it's that way in our life until you get the foundation, the walls built up into your life, until you get the right things in your life, you can't begin to work on the other things in your life. And the problem is so many of us want to avoid the root work that it takes to rebuild our life That we never achieve what we want to do because we're not willing to put the work in of rebuilding the walls. Nehemiah hears this. Nehemiah wasn't the first one to hear this. Nehemiah wasn't the first one to find out the walls had been torn down. But when Nehemiah heard it, it crushed him. It destroyed him. The Bible says that he fasted and prayed for days. The Bible says that he couldn't even go to work. When he finally went to work, there was obvious that something was wrong with him so bad that the king looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? You're not your normal self. And Nehemiah had a vision birthed in him. He had a rebuild that began to birth in him. And we've been looking at the steps that Nehemiah took. The first week we talked about how you know what it is in your life that you need to start rebuilding. It might be your health that you need to start be rebuilding. It might be your mental state you need to start rebuilding. I'm not going to go through the list again, but we talked about the steps that you need to do. If you didn't see any of those messages, you can go to Facebook, you can go to YouTube, you can go to the App Store on your phone and download the Action Church podcast for free, and you can listen to those sermons. But today we're finally at the point, after two weeks of talking about it, Two weeks of planning about it. Putting the work in that needs to happen. Because make no mistake about it today, if you're going to rebuild, it's work. It takes a plan in place. That's the problem with so many of us. We're so dumb that we just jump right in and we think our good intentions are good enough. They're not. The pathway to destruction is paved with good intentions. I'm just going to quit drinking. No, you're not. You've been drinking for X number of years. You've been drinking for decades. If it was that easy to quit it, you'd already quit it. You're fooling yourself. Man, I'm finally, this is my year. This is the year I'm going to get my finances in place. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you don't have a plan to get your finances in place. What's your plan? I just need to make more. That's not going to work. Because if you don't got a plan in place, when you make more, all you do is spend more. And that's the problem with most people when it comes to money. They don't have a money problem. They have a spending problem. They spend more than they make. I, I, I'm just going to determine this is the year that my marriage becomes what I know it should be. What's the plan? Have you put in the work? Nehemiah put in the work. If you'll remember, he went to the king. He got letters from the king that he could go to the forest and use the timber. He's out walked around the land. He's seen the destruction for himself. If you'll remember, he's rallied the troops now to rebuild the wall we ended last week. And they're like, let's do this stuff, man. Let's rebuild these walls. Nehemiah's freaking jacked up right now. I don't know if you've ever set out to do a rebuild in your life. If you've ever set out to make a change in your life, man, it's awesome. It's awesome on january 1st it's awesome on january 1st when i'm like man this is the year i'm getting my weight back under control i've officially hit that age where i can't eat anything i want i've officially hit the age in life where i've got to wear shoes i woke up this morning and i was just cold man i was like i can't do the barefoot thing today you going to warm me up? Dang, girl. Oh, okay, I had to clarify there for a minute. I'm like, dang, I got enough rumors going around this place about me. I don't need that. <laughs> You're going to let me preach or what? I hate this church. No. Listen, listen. Today's the day nehemiah is ready to rebuild he's got the lumber he's got the plan he's got the people he's on site the plan is in place the team is ready to roll and the vision is about to start happening and you would think this is the time where things would somewhat get easy you got a plan and you work the plan, the plan is work. We, 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 we've all heard the cliches, man. We're clicking now, the wall is going to get rebuilt. But here's what I want to tell you today I wanted this to be an encouraging series for you. But I also have to give you the reality of what happens when you make the decision to rebuild, when you decide to step out and do something that nobody else is doing, when you decide to take control of your life. You think everybody would come along and cheer you on. You think everyone would be excited that you've got a plan in place. You think they would be ready to encourage you and uplift you, but here's the reality of the situation, and you need to be prepared for this today. The minute you step out to rebuild whatever aspect of your life it is, you can guarantee you the critics are coming. Let me repeat that I said the critics are coming. coming the haters are coming the naysayers are coming and you know the sad thing about that is nine times out of ten there's some of the people that are closest to you misery loves company (laughs) when you set out to follow your dreams when you set out to take control of your life when you set out to get your finances in order, when you set out to overcome your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups, take it to the bank, baby. The critics are coming out. And it's really easy to be honest with you for the critics to come out. To be honest with you, it makes sense to be a critic to a vision. Because at the end of the day, let's just be honest, visions are easy to criticize they are it's easy for you to tell me what you're going to do with your life and me to point out all the reasons why it won't work because vision doesn't always make sense except to the person who has the vision Visions are easy to criticize. I'm going to step out and start my own company. And then somebody comes along and they give you all the reasons. And here's the problem. All the reasons they give you are valid. Visions are easy to criticize. Visions, not only are they easy to criticize, they actually attract criticism. Misery loves company. People in miserable marriages, they don't want to see you in a good marriage. People who have miserable jobs and have no purpose in life, they don't want to see you be successful in life in that area. This week I went down on Facebook and I I followed different um, self-help people or different um, people who have personal brands and um, good people. And I was going to all their pages intentionally. So like, I went to Tony Robbins' page and Gary Vaynerchuk's page and Elon Musk's page and all these different leaders that want to see people achieve the best. Even if you don't agree with their methods, at the end of the day, they want to see people do the best. And I would go to their latest post, and I intentionally clicked on the comments of every one of their latest posts. And it was amazing, 50% of the comments were people dogging the person posting the post. The post didn't affect them in any way, any shape, any form, but the critics were on there. People were on there who were excited about changing their life. And literally people were going on there and just ripping them apart. It's funny, I I was doing some different things to change my eating styles and I joined a couple of groups on Facebook where I could get some tips and learn some different things. And and I thought maybe find some encouragement if I got frustrated. And and it's amazing to me. People are going there and ask a question. And then the comments are just filled with a-holes ripping them apart for their question i'm thinking you had to manually join this group because you were interested in this topic and you would think you joined it to encourage people along the journey instead they just rip them apart some dude living in his mom's basement ain't had a job in 10 years uses his computer for porn and social media and just ripping everybody apart. Man, the critics are everywhere. They attract criticism. Visions, v- visions are easy to criticize. They attract criticism. And, and, and this, man, to be honest with you, I, I think you would be hard-pressed to find a more visionary person than me. I have worked for myself since I was 16 years old. I, I have too many ideas. And here's what I've learned about vision. At the end of the day, vision's really hard to defend. Because, like, when they come to you criticizing, it's just hard to defend sometimes. Like, when I told people we were going to start a church in the poorest part of town eight years ago, people didn't understand that. Over and over, the question was Do you speak Spanish? I was like, No. But this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna feed people, and we're gonna clothe people, and, and, and we're not gonna be not, not there's anything wrong with other types of trust, but it's not gonna be about the prettiest people in the prettiest buildings and how much money we can bring in. It's just gonna be about everything that comes in going right back out in the community. Well, that'll never work. I said, I know. Like, literally, what else could you say? Oh, I know. It's kind of like starting a steakhouse for vegetarians that just didn't make sense. They're hard to defend. And I think most sadly, is vision oftentimes dies at the hand of critics. It dies at the hand of critics. Most people can't deal with criticism. Most people shut down when the critics come out. I want you to listen to me today. I said this joking in my introduction today, but I mean it with everything that is in me. There's not a topic that I am more qualified to preach on than the subject of criticism, than the subject of critics. I, I don't wear that as a badge of honor, but I'm telling you there's not a more criticized person in this community than me. Except you guys as a close second because you show up every Sunday and listen to me. We can walk into a restaurant and there's two groups. There's never a gray, side. There's a black and a white group. They either love me or they hate me. To the point of saying, hey, well, wait a minute, hostess. You just set these people by us. Can you move us? We've had that happen, haven't we, Christine? Then I call the hostess over and say, hey, can you move me over there by them? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Listen. Criticism's just part of it. I always get a kick on social media and I'll make a post and there'll be 300 comments. And all of you people are fighting with everybody on there. And then you'll send me a direct message. Why aren't you on there? I don't go defending myself. I gave you my thoughts in the post. You argue all day long. But the problem is if I spend all my time arguing with critics... Vision dies at the hand of critics. People who come along and tell you why it won't work instead of how it'll work. Literally, I thought, who's the most positive, non-controversial person in the world in the the self-help movement? And I thought, it has to be Dave Ramsey, encouraging guy, helping people get control of their finances, So I went to Dave Ramsey's page this week, clicked on his first post, 1,900 comments. I click on the comments, and everybody on there, 50% of the people, this doesn't work, this is wrong, this is this. I'm thinking, this dude has thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have had their life changed following his biblical steps on how to handle your finances. And you still have jackasses out there, and that's not cussing. It's in the King James Bible, so do not email me today. It's always funny. People get upset if I cuss, but they don't care if their neighbor's dying and going to hell. Arguing with Dave Ramsey, and I thought, man, you can't win for losing. Critics are miserable people but the problem becomes you allow the critics to destroy you <laughs> i hate to burst your bubble today but i can promise you that the minute you share your vision with anyone you will very quickly become familiar with those four statements i just gave you visions are easy to criticize they attract criticism they're hard to defend and you've thought about quitting because of the critics in your life. People love to criticize vision. They don't want to see you successful because if you're successful, it highlights the fact that they're unsuccessful. They don't want to see you win at life because it highlights the fact that they've decided, and make no mistake about it, losing is a decision. It it highlights the fact that they've decided to lose at life they decided to be beat up at life i was talking to a friend of mine yesterday he was at my house and i was like man when are you gonna when, when are you gonna get this under control and when, when are you gonna get some stuff in order man this guy's been struggling for years and he looked at me and said i'm 58 years old why change now i lost my crap said, you're 58 years old. You got a chance to live 30 more years. This guy's been one of my best friends for about 16. I said, and I said, I love you, but you're a loser. Now, you don't need to say that to everybody. See, if you make enough deposits in people's lives, every once in a while you get to make a withdrawal. And I said, don't you look in the mirror and know that you're a loser? You know what he looked at me and said, yeah. I said, you're a shell of who I met 16 years ago. Yeah, I know. But this is what I know. I said, no, it's not what you know. It's what you've learned. Yeah. I would hate to know that at 58 years old, I decided to quit living. Right. So I looked at him and I said, I got a gun upstairs. I said, why don't you go kill yourself? I'm not saying that's good pastoral advice. Why? You're 58. you got nothing to live for. Go die. Well, I'm not ready to die. I said, but you are. He texts me later on. Now, will he do anything with it? I don't know. He's not here today. I said he would be. I needed that talk. Thank you. But he's listening to people tell him he's worthless his whole life and that he'll never accomplish anything in his whole life and he's bought into the critics in his life. He hangs out with losers who feed into his losing mentality. You are now or you soon shall be what your friends are. You show me the average of the five people you do life with and I'll show you exactly who you are every single time vision man it's powerful and vision oftentimes comes from people simply hating change people hate change matter of fact the only only person who likes change is a newborn baby getting its diaper changed people hate change it's amazing even in a non-traditional and you can't get more non-traditional than action church how much you hate change For craps and giggles every now and then, I'll switch the seating up around here. We'll move the tables to the outside and put the rows in the middle. Just because I want to hear you complain on Sunday morning. Seriously. Like, how it affects you in any way, shape, or form is mind-boggling to me. If the first time you ever came to church, it was set up that way, you'd be used to it. But people hate change. Somebody will message me today complaining that I wore shoes today because they've come here for seven years and seen me preach barefooted. That's how stupid people are about hating change. We get comfortable in our discomfort, we get comfortable in our misery, and we think it's easier to stay miserable than put in the work of rebuilding the wall. They'd rather rather be miserable in what they know than chasing the ability to have the life they were created for because it's possible that that's unknown. Well, can you tell me how it's going to turn out? No. If I could tell you how it's going to turn out, you wouldn't need faith. God says in Isaiah, I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. I don't know how it turns out, but guess what? He does. He's up ahead of you clearing out the space. You just ain't got the testicular fortitude to follow. And So many times it's because you're worried about the critics. (laughs) See, when you go about changing your life, it plays on the insecurities of those who've grown accustomed to the way things have always been. (laughs) Vision then becomes a threat to their life. It becomes a threat to their life because they have to start checking the inside of them. They have to start checking out their purpose. So the fact that people hate change, it begins to stir up their emotions, and those emotions always come out in the form of criticism because it's always easier to tear down than it is to build up. Where's Doug Knight at? Doug, if you had a building project around here, Would you call me to help build something? Nope. Doug, I know what a hammer is. A plus screwdriver and a minus screwdriver, and I thought that's what they were called for years. I didn't know they were called a Phillips head and a flathead. Okay? It's three tools I know. Now, Doug wouldn't call me to help build anything. But when we knocked down that concrete wall over there, guess what I could do? I could swing a, is it called a sledgehammer? (laughs) I could swing it like three times and I was tired. But point is, it was easy for me to tear stuff down. It's easy to rip apart vision. It's hard to build people up. And then what makes it worse about critics, I don't know if you get this or not, is so many times... They come at you with truth and history. Are you really going to get your health in order? Come on, dude. You've been talking about that for five years. So you're telling me you're never going to drink again. How many times have you quit? And then always a smart aleck response. nobody likes a quitter. You know. Stupid, inbred thought process. You show your insecurities making ignorant comments like that. History's on their side. This is this is the time. Instead of coming along saying, Man, I hope so. Really? Or I, I was actually in the lobby last week and someone said, Man, I've been doing this new eating plan, blah, blah, blah. Someone who wasn't even in the conversation walked over. Be careful. I had a friend's sister's brother's cousin's first nephew's boss who did that diet. And I made him have gas. And I thought, you came all the way over here in that conversation to state that fact? Just critics. Criticism. People love it. And, and see, criticism comes from the gaps. It comes from the gaps. Let's be honest, when you have a vision... There's gaps in the vision. If you had all the answers on how you were going to make the vision happen, people would have already done it. You don't have all the answers. I didn't have all the answers when we rented that side of the building over there. I didn't know you had to have building permits to build. I didn't know that it meant we'd meet in the parking lot for six months. There was gaps in the vision. There's always gaps in the vision. People come to me all the time. I met with someone the other day, and they were asking about my festivals. And they were asking me, I said, I don't know, I don't know. They said, how do you do all this without knowing? I said, there's gaps in everything we do. If I had all the answers, there'd be no risk. There's gaps. What are you going to do on these days when this happens? I don't know. So it's normal to come along and begin to question things. There's gaps in the theories. The, the very, very nature of a vision <laughs> is that there's more answers on the what side of the equation than on the how side of the equation. I don't know. I've got some visions I'm working on right now, some some business things I'm working on. Someone said, what are you going to do if this happens when so-and-so gets an all? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't need all the answers. You needing all the answers is why you'll never step out and do anything. Nehemiah wasn't the first one to try to rebuild the wall. You don't think the people in his homeland who saw the wall down said, man, we need to rebuild the wall? There's no way we can make this city viable without rebuilding the wall. You don't think they tried to rebuild the wall? There's always gaps in vision. That's why it's vision. You don't know what's going to get thrown at you. You don't know what obstacles is going to come along. Man. There's gaps in vision. If if there was no gaps, someone would have already else done it. Nehemiah and his crew, they face criticism. They're getting ready to rebuild the wall. And as thorough as Nehemiah's plan was, there was gaps in the vision. He wasn't expecting people to come out of the woodwork and begin to question him. And so look what happens in Nehemiah. When Sam Ballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. Critics will actually become angry with you. It was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews They'll make fun of you. They'll make fun of you. They'll, they'll, they'll try to, to bust on you. In the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Psychological warfare. They're tearing them down, letting them think, Man, you're weak. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? you know it wasn't a day project. Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, buried as they are? Man, Ballot was thorough. Ballot had the most to lose. He was kind of the big dog of all the neighboring towns. If the wall got rebuilt there, it affected him the most because he could no longer come in and and, and act like the Godfather in Jerusalem. He could no longer come in and bully them around and have his way with them. He He would be on the other side of the wall. So he came and he began to criticize the builders of the What are they going to do? Are they going to offer sacrifices? He questioned their ability. Can they do this in a day? What's he going to do? Going to give up smoking? Just going to quit in a day? What do you think? He's going to lose all that weight in a day? He didn't gain it in a day. He, He challenged their commitment. They're feeble. They'll get tired. He just challenged the whole project in general. They're going to rebuild their wall? That was a key word when he said their wall. Because when he called it their wall, don't miss this, that meant it wasn't the king of Persia's wall anymore who had sent them there. Trying to sow discord between the king who sent Nehemiah and Nehemiah who was still serving the king. And then Tobiah chimes in, that's his sidekick. He he began to describe all the workers as incompetent. They're not smart enough to do that. They had one purpose in their criticism. There's always a purpose in criticism. Their purpose was simply to get the workers to stop working. If they could get the workers to stop working, the wall wouldn't get rebuilt. In this situation, Nehemiah couldn't do it by himself. I talked about that last week. You've got to have accountability in your life. You've got to have people around you in your life. They knew they couldn't frustrate Nehemiah, so they go after the people. The people who have been downtrodden, the people who have been beat up, the people who knew the power of Sambala, Tobiah, Geshem, the ones who were coming along and criticizing. They've been under their reign and their rule for the last couple of years. Criticism, Criticism always has a purpose. And there's actually two purposes, and we're going to go over both of them. I'm going to be quick today, I promise you I'm hungry. Criticism, sadly, this is rarely the reason for criticism, but one of the purposes can be to help. I'm not saying don't listen to any, all criticism. I'm going to show you how you know what criticism to listen to. If you don't have the right accountability in your life, who's willing to speak truth into your life, you're also not ever going to rebuild the wall. But unfortunately, most criticism is not to help Most criticism is to hurt. It's hurtful criticism. So as we're dealing with criticism in our life, and it's coming at us, it's coming from the outside, it's coming from the inside, we've got to ask ourselves this question. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? This is very key to knowing how to respond to criticism. Because you respond to hurtful criticism much different than you respond to helpful criticism. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as you begin to learn in life to process and deal with criticism, in the early days of it, it's just natural. You're always going to view it as hurtful criticism. Even if they're trying to be helpful, you're going to see it as hurtful. That's normal. It's not normal to stay there. You've got to grow past that in life. You've got to realize that some people are not criticizing you to hurt you. They're criticizing to help you. They want to see the best in you. They see they have a vision for your life that you can't even see right now. You're so deep in the muck and so deep in the mire that you can't see what could be. But we've got to decide, is it hurtful or is it Helpful hurtful is the most common criticism so how do we deal with it real simple the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray about it i've learned lately i actually almost didn't put this point in my sermon today because i feel like my answer to everything lately has been prayer every sermon that i preach has had we need to learn to pray but we do need to learn to pray we need to learn the power of prayer we need to learn that life change happens through prayer. It sounds cliche. It sounds so Baptisty, but the best way to fight a war is on your knees, fighting through prayer. If God's not involved in what you're doing, you're never going to overcome what it is. Every decision, every aspect, every uh, criticism, every critic, every praise—it all. Even if they're fan or foe, you take it and you put it through the lens of prayer. Now I'm going to go ahead and lighten you on something. I'm not going to get to it yet. But your prayer might not always be the way you think it's going to be. It might not always be a nice, neat prayer. It might not always be a a cute prayer of discernment. It might not be a prayer where you're asking God to encourage you. It might be a prayer like Nehemiah's prayer. Look what he prayed. Hear us, O God, so the critics come along. And immediately Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a freaking pimp. Have you noticed when the king came to him and said, what's wrong? Before he answered the king, he just prayed. When he found out about the wall being torn down, he just prayed. The critics come along, and before he responds to the critics, imagine that if we prayed before we spoke. Mm. Pretty sure I just convicted myself. (laughs) Do as the Bible says and not as I do. Because I will be honest with you. I do not pray before I speak. Nehemiah said, hear us, O God for we are despised. Turn their insults, this is my kind of prayer, turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. He said, don't forgive them of their sins. Nehemiah's angry right now. It's okay to be angry at criticism. Let, it sounds, again, so cliche, but let your haters fuel you. Now, you can take that to the extreme. I've taken it to the extreme in my life, to the point that sometimes I'm doing things for the wrong motives. I'm doing them simply to shut up the haters or to prove the haters wrong instead of because it's what I was called to do. You've got to know that balance. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults on the face of the builders. Can we talk about that prayer for a minute? That prayer is hardcore. But he prayed. The Bible says over and over and over that we're to pray for our enemies. I've, I've, I've talked in depth about that around here. I've told you before there's been times I went to pray for our enemies and I couldn't even get their name out of my mouth. It was weeks before I could utter their name. And when I finally uttered their name, it went along with something like this, God destroy them. Just being honest with you. And I would pray that, and, and then suddenly, just without even notice, it would be, "God, you ain't got to destroy them. But don't bless them either." And, and then I would be faithful in praying. It was amazing how it just evolved over time. To, to God, just bless them. Let them thrive. God, I get no joy out of seeing them miserable. I get no joy out of seeing them hurting. There's just power in prayer. It's hard. It's hard, but I'm telling you, when there's critics in your life, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to stop and you've got to pray for those critics. You've got to pray for discernment in what they're saying. You've got to pray that God fills you with His Holy Spirit where you can handle and you can deal with the criticism because nothing makes you want to get in the flesh like freaking criticism. I spent years fighting with critics. Defending critics. I can tell you, and I tell you this I, I, as humbly as I can. There's a lot I'm not good at, but I can say critics don't affect me in any way. Matter of fact, I'd, I'd venture to say 50% of you have got private messages for me before and said, Hey, I love you. Quit posting on that post defending me. I'm good. You deal with the critics, my critics, way worse than I deal with my critics. Who cares? Amen. Just pray for them. At the end of the day, there's somebody to somebody. You know my philosophy, and that everybody, somebody, somebody gets. That a-hole critic has a godly mama somewhere praying for him, an aunt praying for him, a spouse praying for him. Their criticism's coming from a deeper place. So I can pray for God to kill them or I can pray that God begins to work in their life. Can I tell you how many times in my life, it's been 12, uh, 11, 12 years, since my biggest implosion in my life. Can I tell you how, I always know, I tell Christine all the time, I say, see this person right here? Yeah, I said, they're going through something. How do you know? I said, I haven't heard from this person in 12 years. All of a sudden, they're sliding into my DMs. Hey, can I ask you a question? I know what they're fixing to ask. They effed up. And they got nowhere else to go now except to the person they criticized for years. And I'll be honest with you, my flesh every time. That was the worst thing Apple ever did when they gave the shooting bird emoji. (laughs) Like, man, I just want to send that to them. Every time, I just cut to the chase. How'd you screw up? Blah, 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 blah. What'd you do? How can I help you? It's amazing when you pray how God begins to work things out. (laughs) The builders, they were tired. Nehemiah wasn't in the mood, and he prays an angry prayer, but as you'll see later on, those prayers even begin to change. Second thing we're going to do as we deal with critics from our haters, we're going to remember who gave you the vision in the first place. We're going to remember who gave you the vision in the first place. I told you the first week of this series that you need to pray that God would reveal His vision for your life to you. God does not give your vision to your life to me. Wrong church. It's a good thing because I don't care. Just being honest. i got enough stuff in my own life. I don't have time to worry about the vision God gave you in your life. You need to pray about it. And if God gave you a vision, who is anybody to come along and discredit it? Who's anybody to come along and question it? Who is anybody to come along and tell you that you're wrong for what you feel God has told you to do in your life? Look what Nehemiah said. He said, after I look things over, check it out. Nehemiah, again, he doesn't respond immediately. God, I hate that about him. Because it makes me convicted about how I handle situations. The critics are hating on him. He stops. He prays. Nehemiah is one of the greatest leaders in all the Bible. Then he goes and looks things over. He evaluates the situation. He evaluates the plan. He evaluates what he's about. (laughs) He evaluates the mindset of the people who are rebuilding the wall. He's not reactionary. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And then he says, fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for for your wives fight for your homes you need to remember who it is who called you to the vision that you have god's laid it on your heart to fight for your marriage you need to remember that god's the one who called you to fight for your marriage all your friends who say you should leave they're not living in your life they're not walking in your shoes they don't know your circumstances they don't know about your time with god you fight you're trying to overcome alcohol, and you've got the people who are still drinking your life. Tell you can still have one drink. You don't, you don't listen to them. You remember what God's laid on your heart. Yeah. Trying to get your health in place, and everyone's walking around. I'm trying to get my health in place. Recently, we had a birthday party. Emily said, hey, Gary, would you just eat a small piece of cake? I'm not saying you should lie to your kids. But I said, sure. I took a small piece of cake. I stuck my fork in it, moved it around on my plate. When she wasn't looking, I threw it away. Why? Because I made a commitment to myself that for 75 days I was going to have no sweets. I feel like God laid that on my heart when he told me, he said, money's getting tight and I don't know that you can fit in your clothes anymore. Man. Man. Got to remember who gave you the vision. You know why I don't defend what we do around here? I've lost some of my best friends pastoring this church. You know why I don't defend what we do around here? Because I'm not that guy that says God told me. I think I've said it twice in my whole life. But I know that I know that I know Nine years ago, eight years ago, whatever it is, God told me to come to the poorest part of Canton and start Action Church. And if it never becomes thousands of people, I don't care. I actually prefer it. You guys are enough headache. I'm just being honest. You guys are a full-time job. I love you. Someone said, how's attendance been affected during COVID? I said, we're down by about half. And I said, I'm good with that. good with that. The ones online can DM me, and I can respond to them when I want to. When you come to me in lobby, I got to respond then. <laughs> Shepherding is not my spiritual gift. But you remember who gave you the vision? I don't need to justify the vision. I'm not going. Let me make this clear. I'm not going to justify the vision. The vision's real simple around here. Since day one, we don't do church for you. We do church for outsiders to make outsiders insiders. And I don't think today, I think that's a cliche thing and it sounds really cool in a lot of churches, but it's, they're full of crap. Ran into a pastor recently and he said, hey, what are you up to, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what are you wearing? Just trying to be relevant. You pastor in Ackworth, you like you're in a club in Miami. Like what is relevant about that? The church has mistaken outsiders for trying to be cool. If the church would stop trying to be cool, if a bunch of 44 year old plus men would stop trying to be cool and just love the community they're called to love, we change our communities. And we've had, listen, we've had some great families come through the doors of this church, people that I love and people that I care about to this day that I still communicate who've looked at me and said, man, it's just not the church for us. If you just tweak this or you just tweak that. And I've looked at them and said, we're tweaking nothing. Thank you for your time here. Can I help you find another church? <laughs> the vision's not for sale. It's not for Compromise. If you're wanting a church that's going to go do all the things that churches do, and I'm not opposed to any of those things, man. Have small groups and have structure and have Bible studies and have midweek service and do whatever the, the heck it is you do. This is what we do. We gather on Sunday, and we serve Monday through the rest of the week. That's what we do. It's that simple. It's not changing. It's not changing. Well, I don't know that I liked it. I'm not mad at you for not liking it. I've joked that if the other churches in town were smart, they'd bring me on staff as a missionary. Because I've sent more people to other churches in this town than I guarantee you anybody else. I know who called us down here, I know who called me to this city. You think that there's going to be something that comes along that makes me leave this city? First thing I ever told Christian, I said, man, we're dating and everything. Cool. I said, I need you to know something. I'm never leaving Canton. Seems like a weird thing to say, but I wanted to know. I'm called here. I'm not leaving here. When pastors told me, man, you need to start over someplace else, I, I was called to Canton. I'm not leaving Canton. I'm not apologizing for being in Canton. I don't need to be everybody's cup of tea as long as I'm their shot of whiskey. I'm really not worried about it. Because I've learned and I ain't learned much in life. But I've learned how to deal with critics. And I always go back to what God's called me to do. You need to go back to what God has called you to do in your life. When God told you to step out in faith, you need to step out in faith. When God tells you to work on your relationship with your children, you need to work on your relationship with your children. When God's the one who said, go quit your job and go chase this job that doesn't make sense to anybody else, you go chase that job that makes sense to nobody else. You do what God's told you to do. And when you get frustrated and we don't clap yet, when you get discouraged, you go back and you remember it wasn't man who appointed you, it was God. God who called you. Now you can clap. Man. Dang. God gave you a vision. You let people talk you out of it. Weak. Weak. We're a weak generation. So we're going to pray about it. We're going to remember who gave us the vision. Check this one out. This is the greatest one. Chifu you actually said this earlier in my post. We're just going to ignore them. Yeah. We're just going to ignore them. Why would you give one second to a hater who's criticizing you? Why would you? I, I can. You can't convince them of anything. You can't convince them of anything. They've made up their mind. All you're going to do is get sidetracked from the vision that God has for your life, trying to explain to a bunch of people who don't want to be explained to. Ignore them. We had a saying around here one time, and I did not mean for it to take off. I'm not even going to repeat it because I can't believe we had it. But we had a saying on social media one time. Here, I preached a sermon. I said, hashtag block a, uh, yeah. block a B. And the next thing I know, you people were hashtagging that everywhere, blocking people on social media. Sometimes you got to block a bitch because they need blocked. You ignore them. You ignore them. They're not worth your time. They're not worth your energy. Look what Nehemiah did. When word came to Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, not a gap was left in it. Though at that time I not set the gates, Samballot, Geshem sent me this message. Come, come. Let's meet together in one of the villages. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. I cannot go down. Why should the work stop? Well, I leave it and go down to you. Four times they sent me the same message. And each time, I gave them the same answer. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest, one of the most freeing, one of the best gifts you can ever give yourself is the ability to ignore criticism. Can I tell you another thing that's really freeing, but we'll get to that another day? In the same way you ignore criticism, you also got to ignore praise a lot of times. We can get too puffed up on the praise and too downtrodden by the criticism. All about balance in life. Ignore them. They don't understand. They don't understand what you stepped out to do they don't understand why you want to lose weight they don't understand why you want to get your finances in order someone the other day came to me and said um this has been about three months ago i said man i really feel led to get my finances in order and i said that's awesome and they said i have some goals i said that's awesome and they said you know what i decided i feel like god laid on my heart and i said what's that and they said i feel like god laid on my heart i think they were about 34 35 years old they said in my lifetime I want to give $1 million to the work of God. That seems like a lot of money to me. Poor old preacher in king. I said, that's awesome. Go after it. But here's the thing. They messaged me about a month later, and I said, God, man. My parents cannot believe the lifestyle changes I'm making to get my finances in order. It's almost like it angers them. I said, Do they know why you want to do it? And they said, No, I don't feel led to tell them. That's the problem with criticism sometimes. You don't know, you don't know the why behind the how. You're trying to interpret somebody's song. You don't know what they're singing. You're trying to interpret their song, you're trying mainly because you're just an effing gossip. You're a drama queen. You love to talk and love to murmur. Golly, man, people love to talk crap. I am today. (laughs) Listen, and social media has made it worse. I got a DM the other day that wasn't supposed to come to me because it was about me. And I think I must have been on their brain, but they hit my name in the send. I loved it. I never even responded to them. I just want to see if they catch on to it. I'm sure they caught on to it and kind of tucked away for a little while. I found out things about me in that message. I, didn't, I, I was like, I wish half this was true. I, 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 we were in bed what time last night, Christine? 9.15? 9.15. My, my wild Saturday consisted of Mexican food and binge-watching binge the 100 on Netflix. It was wild. But this message, man, it made my life so exciting. I didn't know women were so crazy about me. And like, I could just sleep with whoever I wanted to in town. Like, I'm a stud in the rumor world, you know? It's awesome. You know about him. What'd you do, Gary? I just ignored him. Because I don't care. My son's dating this little girl. And her parents asked her the day, Avery Lamb? says dad Gary? She said, yeah. Do you know him? Everybody in town knows him. Now, I don't know if that was good or bad. But I don't care. I, I, I think when my son was telling me the story, I could even tell. He wanted me to keep questioning it. I said, that's funny. And he was just kind of like, I think he wanted me to dig for dirt or dig to what they were trying to say. I don't care. You say, how can you not care? Because they don't meet my criteria of who gets to criticize in my life. That's key. That's key. Some criticism is healthy criticism, but you got to know who has the right to criticize in your life. So how do we deal with hurtful criticism? We're going to pray about it, we're going to remember what God did, and we're going to ignore it. But there is going to be that time helpful criticism comes along, I promise you we're going to get through this quick, quick, quick. 45 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Two seconds. We'll be done. I'm hungry. Listen, listen, listen. I have a criteria on who gets to criticize my life. You ready? First thing is you've heard me say this before. Do they know me? If you don't know me, you don't get to criticize me. If you don't know me, you don't understand the why behind the how. If you don't know me, you don't know my heart and matters. Why do I care about what some random person on the other side of the country thinks about me? I don't know them. So do you know me? But that's not it. That's just the first thing. Do you know me? This is key. Do they love me? You're going to find this surprising. You can know me and not love me. I know it's shocker. Shocker but do they love me? It's not enough to know me, you have to love me. Because if you love me, you have my best interest at mind. If you love me, you're not coming out a place to hurt me, you're coming out a place to help me. If you do not love me, my neighbor knows me. I've only known the dude for three weeks, I don't imagine he loves me. Therefore, no offense to him, great guy, like him a lot, makes me laugh. I don't care his criticism in my life if he had some criticism in my life. He doesn't love me. But even that's not enough. Do you know me? Do you love me? Do you believe in me? That's key. I have people who love me. They know me. But in different aspects of my life, they're not allowed to speak because they don't believe in me in that aspect of my life. I've shared with you before. My mom knows me. My mom loves me. My mom does not believe that I should pastor a church, so therefore, guess what the aspect of my life my mom doesn't get to speak into my life about? Church. Does that mean I hate my mom? No. She just doesn't get to speak truth into my life in that area because she doesn't have my best interest at mind because she knows me, she loves me, she doesn't believe in me in that area. You, you, you can believe in me as a... You can meet this criteria in certain aspects of my life. You can meet this criteria in me as a professional, but maybe not as a husband. I want to know where you line up on every issue that you're giving criticism. And if it doesn't line up with that, you don't get to speak into my life. You say, so you really just ignore it. I really just ignore it. Smoking what I'm selling here. Christine will tell you. It's very rare. It made me, who remembers a few years ago, I've run most of y'all, you so you're all new. Remember a couple years ago when I said we should do a, I didn't even say we should do it. I suggested that it was an idea that we do a clean needle exchange where drunkies could bring their dirty needles and we'd give them clean needles. Remember that? Three years ago this week, and holy smokes, it hit the fan. Like 2,700 comments on Facebook. Someone called the Center for Disease Control. They showed up at our building. The police called and told me they were going to arrest me. I said, arrest me for what? For having an idea that I posted on Facebook? 27 Family blocked us on Facebook. Fox 5 News showed up. And what I kept laughing about the whole time was, 2,700 comments and everyone kept saying, boy, Gary's giving them hell. I never responded one time. I never made a follow-up post about it because I didn't care. Here's why. With all due respect, matter of fact, some of you were, I don't know if some of you, they might have already left. There were some people in this church fired up about it. But at the end of the day, If God tells me to give a junkie a clean needle to save his life, I'm going to give a junkie a clean needle to save his life. And I'll stand before God and answer for it when my time comes. I don't need time to defend it. I don't need time to justify it. I don't need time to argue with people about it because my time is too valuable. The most valuable thing I have in my life is my time. It's the only thing I have that I can never get back. I can lose all my money and get it back. I can lose my businesses and get them back. I cannot lose my time and get it back. I've tried. I, I've looked at DeLoreans. I've said in DeLoreans, none of them will take me back in time. Can't get it back. Do you know me? Do you love me? Do you believe in me? Do the people who are giving you criticism that is upsetting you so bad, do they meet this criteria? Nine times out of ten, the answer is going to be No. But if the answer is yes, guess what? You're going to evaluate what they tell you. You're going to swallow your ego. You're going to swallow your pride. You're going to quit acting like you know everything. And you're going to realize, these people love me so much that they came into my life and poured truth into me. And you're going to evaluate. And there will be times, do not miss this, where you revise the plan. I did not say you revise the vision. The vision is from God. Very rarely the plan is. We have pivoted many times around here at this church. The vision's always to make outsiders insiders. But there's things that we've done for years, and they quit being effective, and guess what? We quit doing them. We don't just keep doing, we used to do a, a back-to-school carnival every year and give thousands and thousands and thousands of book bags away. We quit doing it. Why? Because every other church in town jumped on the bandwagon and started doing it. Awesome! Let them put in the work. I'm not going to do it just to do it. A couple of years ago, we very much scaled back our Thanksgiving thing that we call Give Canton the Bird. Why? Because we did it for years. Then every church started doing it. Then guess what happened after they did it one year? They didn't do it anymore. So we ramped back up. We revised the plan from time to time. It's okay to revise the plan. The vision set in stone. I tweaked some things in my diet. Because I told you, the part I'm trying to rebuild in my life is my health. I tweaked some things this week. Because some things were working, some things were not working. And I wanted to, to revise a little bit. The goal didn't change. you got to revise the plan. But we prayed to our God... And we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. What was the threat? Remember Sam about and they were threatening them. I'll get more to that next week. They revised the plan. Now we've got to rebuild a wall, but we've got to put guards out. They revised the plan. You've got to have a plan. From that day on, from what day on? The day on that the critics came along and they threatened Nehemiah. From that day on, half my men did the work. While the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders wore a sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Don't confuse your plans with God's vision. Don't confuse your plans with God's vision. God gave you a vision. You might have to tweak how you go about fulfilling that vision. This church looks a lot different Than it did seven years ago. The vision is still the same. 100% still the same. Still me screaming on Sundays and Phil rocking on Sundays. Some things don't change, but a lot's changed. What we do next door in the kids' area changes all the time. How we do things over here? We don't have a clothing closet anymore. Why? Because Salvation Army opened up right next door to us, and guess what? They give out clothing. Why are we going to do it just to do it? We give them the clothes that come in now. Amazing. Communication and cooperation with an, another group is amazing. Church thinks they got to do everything. I don't think we got to do anything. Just be the church. I'm lazy. I built a big church before. I'm done with that. It's too much work. I just want to chill on the beach the rest of my life. Fly my private jet in here on Sunday and preach to y'all. I don't have a private jet. Yet. I keep praying for David Westard. God keep growing his business. He can have a private jet one day and fly me in from the beach. A vision is what could be and should be. The vision is what you're trying to rebuild in your life. (laughs) Don't miss this. A vision is what could be and should be. A plan is a guess as the best way to accomplish that vision. The way you're stopping drinking, try it. It might not work, be willing to change. Some people get just as stubborn with their, with their plan as they do staying in their misery. Maybe the way you're trying to rebuild your marriage ain't working. Change. What about them? The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. And I keep saying, responsible for you. There's going to be critics. That's life. Matter of fact, I I dare say this. If you don't have any critics to the choices you're making, you're probably not making the choices God wants you to make. I said, if you have no critics to the choices you're making, you're probably not making the choices God wants you to make. Let's pray.